Welcome to the One Within All to the Interverse podcast. I'm your host, Chance, and as the winter season cues us to stay inside and look within, what better time than now to paint the walls of our inner world with never-before-seen shapes and colors by opening the imagination portal and connecting to the source and singularity of all life, something I'm keen to make sure that we invoke at the beginning of every episode from now on, because there's a lot of power in that. The mystery of the mind and its relationship to the brain and neurotransmitters remains a great uh, riddle for material scientists and the medical establishment. But the mystics and mages of all ages have endlessly endeavored to initiate our inquiry into the human intellect through the lens of spirit and energy, rather than the seemingly fruitless route of trying to explain away the hard problem of consciousness by the mechanics of gray matter alone. The science of the brain has a good catalog of cognitive causes and effects when it comes to chemical alteration of mental function, but among many other shortcomings of the promises made by scientific materialism, the physical location of memory, the conditions that conjure self-reflective conscious awareness, and the phenomenon of -of out-of-body experiences in which the five senses operate independent of their related sense organs are just some of the ways in which the question of, where is my mind, remains as slippery as ever. Swimming through this nebulous soup of psychic secrets is our guest for the episode, Adam Butler, psychonaut and proponent of DMT exploration and utilization, whose own experiences with the spirit molecule, dimethyltryptamine, what he calls the miracle molecule, have led him from the shadow of the valley of psychic schisms and death into the undifferentiated wholeness of health and a coherent mind, unified inner and outer world, and all of the magic and synchronicity that such a thing can invoke. While I can't encourage anyone to experiment with illegal substances, nor can I guarantee a positive outcome when using any psychedelic, I'd be lying if I said I never experienced the kaleidoscopic rocket ship known as DMT. And especially when I first started out making Interverse, the questions that this powerful substance opened up in an otherwise cold and closed cosmos were transformative to say the least. Who or what are the entities seen in DMT hyperspace? What does this experience have to do with clearing the doors of our perception? And is there a place for it in the Shamanic Healer's Toolkit? To guide the curious seeker, our guest Adam has recently published his first book, 
Butler's DMT Field Guide. The text we'll be discussing today. I've been excited to get into it, so let's spark it up and get this dialogue going with the with humanity's DMT alien diplomat and bold psychedelic adventurer, Adam Butler. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Man, that was beautiful. I, I love that title. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, alien diplomat. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, no, I'm I'm excited to get into it. Um, as we mentioned before the show, I, I feel as though you you're diving into all the stuff that um I've been studying for for a while now, and and DMT kind of just amplified all of it. So, I'm well, excited. I've I've had experiences on and off DMT that have led me to be quite sure that there's some kind of mind of its own behind the thing and we can get into that but maybe before we we go there uh you know your story is troubling you know at the beginning and i i get it man like <laughs> you talk about having sort of like the silver spoon everything's easy my name is chance i'm like the luckiest guy i know everything's everything works out and I never really had to hit rock bottom the way that you described, but maybe you could tell us about how you came out the other side and what these magical psychedelics had to do with it. Yeah, so I I hit more than rock bottom, man. I, I went way, way deeper. Uh, but I, I guess to, you know, backtrack a little bit and without getting into the, the specific details, I really did have an amazingly blessed life. Um, I had everything anybody could ever want. I had you know, multiple properties. I had multiple businesses. I was making great money, beautiful women, beautiful houses, vacations. Um, I was in, inherited a bunch of money by my grandfather when he passed. I mean, literally, you know, the, the rich white kid from New England with the silver spoon truly had had every possible advantage. That being said, um, you know, up until my, up until about 40 years uh, old, I, I had everything on paper, but internally I was extremely conflicted. Uh, and at that time I had been using alcohol quite a bit. Um, I'm coming on three years, well, three, little over three years sober now. So that, that was a major part of my transformation as well. And, and I de- definitely don't want to, um, you know, negate the importance of that, but that was kind of like a, the, the start of, of really looking within what was stop clouding my whole, you know, morning, afternoon and night with alcohol. But really, I, um, I, I lost two amazing jobs at, over a short amount of time, about a year and a half, um, you know, lost two great jobs, had, had two horrible breakups. Uh, I threatened to kill him in because he, he had fucked me over 900 bucks. I mean, it sounds foolish at the time, especially the amount of money I was making, but it just, I, I was such a, on the, on the verge of, of snapping. And, and ultimately I did snap. Um, you know, I mentioned in the book how that day was a Sunday. Um, when I had that, that fight with that guy, basically Monday morning, I woke up and I was like, you know, what? I'm leaving, I'm driving to California to hug a redwood tree. And I lived in the Cape, uh, Cape Cod at the time. So I literally got in my car and just drove to California. Um, 26 hours that first day, I landed in Kansas City. And then from there, I spent like a year and a half basically just traveling the country. Um, I just lived on the road because at that point I'd lost my job. I had lost everything, but I had enough money where I could just kind of go exploring. Um, but the, the, the truth is, is, is I went out to, to ultimately try to kill myself. Or con- I shouldn't say try to kill myself. I was contemplating very heavily you know, removing myself from this planet. And, and it wasn't going to be a rash decision. It was something that I was, it was well calculated. Um, but then through the, a lot of meditation, prayer, and, and ultimately psychedelics, my life has completely changed around. I mean, I still have a lot of crap that I got to work through, but I'm happy, I'm content. And um, I just feel like the, the veil has been lifted and now I can finally move on and, 
and live and, and be happy and, and be the beautiful being that I am and always have been. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love it. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to admit to like major, major, I don't know, <laughs> demonic behavior. It's a good way of putting it. I'm not, I'm not accusing you of anything. Just saying like you're, you're talking about having been willing potentially to end someone else's life over $900, right? Like this is, <clears throat> I, why I'm bringing this up is because I think the, the core of what our dis-ease mentally has to do with is identity problems, you know? So like, can you talk a little bit about your previous identity and then like what you see as your identity now and how that transforming that might have everything to do with your place of coherence as opposed to being so scattered? Well, it was having that mirror held up to me and, and psychedelics really helped with that, which is, you know, when you say demonic, whether whether it's demonic, evil, dark, um, you know, I'm writing right now an article about Carl Jung and his, his whole kind of philosophy about shadow work and, you know, the, the personal shadow as well as the, the collective shadow. And I think that was probably the, the most difficult thing was being comfortable with those aspects of your life. And, and without, you know, we mentioned this before we started recording, without doing the normal thing of, of clouding everyone of you know most people's problems with alcohol or prescription pills it was no you need to deal with your shit and and ultimately my shit was I, I was a drunk narcissistic belligerent mean person who used my what I thought power to to get what I want out of the world in, in a way that that just was it was horrible and to to sit there and, and see that and and to really reflect on it but then take ownership of it and then from there it was you know the really the epiphany that I had on kind of my, my breakthrough session was that all of my, all of my problems were in, internal problems and, and the solutions were internal. And ultimately I was looking for something in the external world to, to fix my internal bullshit, whether it be a, a new job, a new girlfriend, more money, a fancier car, more vacations, more, 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 whatever, more tattoos, more. And it was just, it was this, this endless, endless seeking of something outside of myself until I, I stopped running. And ultimately, um, I got power over, over that aspect of my life. And, and I'm not somebody that believes in like this, this ego death and, and you dismiss everything and, and, you know, everything's all rosy. Not, not at all. Uh, those parts of my, my ego and, and personality are still there, but they're in check and they'll never control me again. But you, you have to, you have to name them. You have to look them in the face. You, you, it's basically like kind of turning around on the bully and just being like, no more, you know, you're not going to control my life. And, um, you know, I, I ended my book with a, a chapter called Love Thy Neighbor and, and it just went full full circle to being this person that was full of anger, hate and, and aggression to somebody that is just full now of love connection and hugging strangers and petting puppies and kissing babies and made some way, especially when you look, you know, as gnarly as I do, but it's like that that's that's not what what I do. And and it's it's because I removed all of that plaque. So whether it be you know, I'm I'm not I'm not saying it's some sort of like possessive type demonic shit. It was just a life's worth of, of plaque that was built up and, and, but a lot of it was self, um, self-inflicted. Yeah. Yeah. Then the, pla I think the plaque has to do with identity. Like to get back to that question, you make that a point in your book. There's a chapter of <laughs> who the fuck am I and who the fuck are you? It kind of tripped me out where you started chapter seven, which is titled "Who the fuck are you?" And the first word in the chapter is "chance," 
<laughs> chances are or something like that. That's how you started it. I'm like, well, I, I heavily identify with the number seven and like the Enneagram personality type. And then, you know, who are you was the question. And I'm chance, <laughs> but chance is the absence of concept. It's like, it's like, um, you know, it's a, a potentiated state without uh, a definition that's when you're in the realm of chance you're in the realm of what's not yet been decided or defined. So I really like to latch onto that conceptually for the question of identity. Well, I'm, I am what I'm becoming in this moment rather than, you know, putting any other descriptor on as a, a limitation. And I'm wondering in the many, many sessions you've had, or particularly like breakthrough sessions, have you asked that question to the omniscient super God head uh, mega consciousness, like who am I or what is self? So and yeah, that's that's why I I started the the book with that chapter. And I and ironically enough, um, you know, the, I'm writing another book right now about psychedelic integration, and I'm starting the chapter with that again with with who the fuck am I? Um, because I think every before you can do any type of work, before you, you're worrying about set and setting and, and, you know, do you have a guide? Do you not have a guide? Are you using shrooms or DMT? I mean, before any of those questions, it, and take a step back, be, without even using psychedelics, any anytime you're going on a self journey and you're reflecting on, on who you are and what you want to be, um, you have to ask that that question. Um, maybe not with the, the F word in front of it, but, you know, and, and ask it not some rhetorical bullshit question. It really has to be, who who am I? Um, and that's not necessarily like a religious, spiritual, um, it's more a connection with, with source, with energy, with more, with your internal kind of, you know, being. Um, but I think any, any type of, of work with oneself has to start with that, that question. Um, and, and that's, that's where psychedelics, I think, offer you the best help because I'm sure like many people, they've tried using therapists. So, you know, I was paying this guy, this, this old, very educated man, um, you know, 200, 240 bucks an hour for a therapy session. And I was just, you know, mind fucking him the whole time, knowing that I was, I was trying to intellectually outsmart him and, and to try to paint some picture of who I was. So that way he would be somehow impressed with what I've accomplished in my intellect, you know, trying to paint this, this whole narrative to try to impress some old man, old man. And it's like, to look at it now, it's like, what, what a fool. And instead of taking the opportunity to actually try to get help, but I was trying to present him a false picture of myself where psychedelics, there's absolutely no, no way you can do that. And and I think that's where I, th- I think a lot of people confuse or, or people ask me all the time, you know, have you ever had a bad trip or, or what's your sessions with bad trips? I can honestly say I've never had a, a bad trip. I've never felt like I've been attacked. I've never had like, you know, horror movie type entities coming after me. The, the, bad trips are the, are the ones that are hard to take where you're you know no one wants to hear you're a narcissist no one wants to hear you're an alcoholic no one wants to or even you know in many people's cases what if you've been married for 20 years and, and you're doing a session you realize oh shit i never loved this person and i shouldn't be married or i have kids and i don't want kids or i need to quit my job or you know there's a lot of stuff that can get churned up and if you're not prepared for it um that's why it's it's very important to ask that question who am i you know ideally prior to doing any type of psychedelic work, but then certainly, um, you know, as, as part of it, you, I'm, I'm constantly asking that, you know, every, every session I do, I have reverence and respect for the information that I may, that I may gain. Um, I pray and meditate for a half hour plus typically, or, or you know, if I'm doing a deep session with shrooms or something like that, or ayahuasca, you know, I'll, I'll take days to, to figure out what, what my intent is and what question I'm trying to, to seek. Um, 
I'm kind of beyond that. Who am I now? I mean, it's been hundreds and hundreds of DMT sessions. It's more now like, what the fuck is this universe? What's this energy? What's this frequency and information that we're tapping into? Um, you know, and you mentioned something about just the difference of five senses uh, and how they're working together. When you go into this DMT space, not only you have those five senses, but you've got 15, 20, 50, you know, a hundred more. And man, the self-awareness you can gain with that is, is life-changing, life-saving. Yeah, the hardest part about this type of conversation is to bring somebody else the epiphanies that you have there. And it's not the only way you can have these type of epiphanies. <laughs> um, this substance, though, when you go there, it's like all the questions you have get answered. That happens in meditation sometimes where you're sitting there and all of a sudden there's like a all a spark of awareness that answers like the deepest questions of reality. What is life? <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, how did I forget that? And then two seconds later, you're like, what was I thinking about? <laughs> I had it and it slipped through my fingers. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, just forgetting an idea. And that's all really interesting. But I do want to talk about. I think this is a good place to to go right now. The fact that this particular substance, methyltryptamine, is endogenous in the body, that it potentially uh, is at being released at different phases in the human life cycle, definitely in near-death experiences or right before death. You mentioned shortly after conception. I'm wondering what you know about that. I've heard from, I've heard from mothers who give natural birth without being sedated or anesthetized that they actually have a very dmt like experience mystical experience like crossing the veil bringing their baby back or bringing their baby to the the rel- the living realm frequency from you know the other side and so it's definitely like a gateway or a portal uh indicative of that transition it's a, a psychopomp a mo- molecular psychopomp but can we talk about just the physical aspect of it, what we know from maybe a neuroscience level, a biology level. So I think that's, for me, it was one of the most intriguing aspects was the endogenous part of it. Um, I'm, I'm the type of person that like, I'm not on any prescription pills. I'm, I'm very cautious about putting any, anything into my body. So that was, that was really um, something that was curious for me was, was why, why is your body producing this? And I think that was one of the main reasons why Rick Strassman did his study in the nineties. The and I believe that's where um, the, the data was where it said where he had, um, you know, the times where it was pulsed. And, and I believe that's where it was shortly after conception. But the, the fact that, you know, through breathing meditations, through um, near-death experiences, through trauma, um, I, you know, I make a note in my book about during intense tantric, um, you know, sexual in, uh, sessions, how your, your body really does produce this. So you were saying, you know, in, in sometimes in meditation, you'll get this clarity uh, you know, I can't say for sure. And, and I'm, you know, and I want to state this too. Um, and, and, you know, I did go to college for almost eight years. So it's not like I, I don't, I do have a college education, but I was studying bugs of all things, um, which I actually think entomology helps me understand the DMT space in, in a, a lot of ways. And we can certainly get into that. Um, I do want to get into but, that. So let's put a pin in that, you know, bug met, uh, bug joke, put a pin in it, you know, because, <laughs> you know, the collection, there Sorry. are people like, um, yeah, post that one up. Um, you know, like like Andrew Gallimore, Zeus Tapato, uh, stuff going on at Imperial College. You know, th- those are the, the the real scientists that are getting into 
how it moves through the brain, what's being triggered. Um, you know, they're trying to answer the questions, is consciousness created in your mind? Is it received from out of the mind? Um, you know, so I'm not necessarily the expert in the physiology of it, but I can tell you from, from experience, I've, I've personally done those breathing exercises and meditations where you do feel a flush of DMT. And, and from somebody that, that's been exposed to DMT as much as I have, um, it was very, very obvious that that's what was happening. So if you hadn't smoked it before and you, and you weren't familiar with the smell of the taste, if you did one of these, you know, half hour breathing meditations, you would feel elated, you would feel enlightened, you'd feel connected to your body. You probably wouldn't, though, make the connection of, oh, this is, this is dimethyltryptamine. But I knew exactly that that's what, that's what it was because it was this really distinct taste in the back of my nasal cavity and, and you could feel it was like the, the, the same sensation that you have when you're smoking it. And it, it was a very unique chemical you know, it's like that that weird kind of burnt rubber, like mothball type weird smell, and and it was it was there, um, and I just remember doing that. And then, you know, I mentioned during um, sexual sessions, both times me and my partner multiple times will be like, do you, do you smell that and do you taste it? And and there's there's no DMT in the room or in, you know anywhere where close to us, and and that's because your body is getting into this this push and pull and, and kind of flush system and. Um, I, I fully believe that DMT is, is part of all of those transcendental moments of your life. So not only going in and going out, um, but yeah, I, I can imagine the the what what a woman's body must <laughs> have to go through to in order to give birth, how that would be a very important moment to be putting DMT through it. Um, you know, because oh, it, it like disconnects you from your body, but also makes you feel, um, you, you know, you know, you're going to get get through or, or that there's other energies protecting you maybe mm-hmm. yeah it gives you a sense of of wholeness that is hard to hard to articulate even if you go into the with like with trepidation once you're once you're in it you're like oh yeah it's this we all have this instinctual familiarity with it but perhaps only those of us who've used it in a non-natural or non-endogenous way have the familiarity where you can sense it. You know, there's been times in my life where I could, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, like smelling it or yeah. sensing that it's there when there's nobody using it or it's not happening. And the couple of the times have been where the threshold between life and death for somebody near me is like very near. You know, somebody's near, like other people's near death experiences, I've been able to like, smell taste or sense dmt um, a couple of times it's not something that i have like a lot of experience with you're not around someone who's near death very often but it it's it's bizarre to say the least well and there's a lot of studies too of, of other you know um other than like uh giving birth and trauma but like epileptic seizures and, and people that have temporal lobe epilepsy um migraine headaches uh even you know autism things like that where you know, their, their brains are, are working differently and, and there's just a different flow of, of chemicals and neurotransmitters. And, um, you know, it sounds like a lot of their experiences sound like DMT trips and DMT sessions. Uh, you know, you hear some of these, what these people are seeing in their seizures and, and they're interacting with entities and, and they're, they're having full blown, you know, it's, it's very similar to DMT trips, which is very similar to like alien abductions, which, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of correlation between a lot of these kind of just extrasensory experiences. Um, and I, I think a lot of it is, it's, it's all, you know, and, and I don't say it's all produced in our brain. I, I think 
my personal take on it is I think our, our brain, when we're pulsing these chemicals or we're smoking DMT, um, it just, it allows your brain to pick up on that much more. You know, it, it lessens the veil. And even, you know, you, you mentioned in your, your intro, uh, you know, opening the doors of perception or something about doors of perception. And, um, you know, I'm sure reference to Huxley's uh, book where he did masculine and, and kind of had his whole mind blown to be like, holy shit, this, all this information and all this stuff is out there constantly. It's our brain is, is removing information. It's not so much taking it in, you know, it, well, it's letting in such a small, small percentage. Uh, and when you do these psychedelics, it just allows that much more information to come in. Are there any uh, other disclaimers or warnings about this experience that we want to tack on before we just start talking about <laughs> yeah. miracles? Because probably should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you hit on it. I, w- I would say, you know, psychedelics certainly aren't for everybody. I don't, I don't necessarily condone the use. Uh, I'm not trying to sensationalize using anything. Um, and I would say everybody has to do their own homework. But but I also know the life-saving benefits that it's done for me, for people that I love, very close friends. Uh, the research that I've done just in, in the last few years of, of immersing myself kind of in this, this whatever, psychedelic kind of, not renaissance, but just, you know, there's, there's been a lot of information in, about how it's helped so many different people. And um, I think it's important to to share that story. That being said, it, it's rocket fuel and it, it can take, you know, the, the rocket ship to out of space, but it can blow the fuck up on the way too. So like you, you really got to be very, very careful of, of what you're doing. Like in my case, every foundational thing in my life was already gone. I had no job, no relationship. I didn't, I was homeless basically. I, you know, the place I was living was also tied into the job, which was the guy that I'd like, you know, threatened. So like every, it was just at that point, you know, I had, I hadn't really nothing that, that could, that was worried about blowing up, including my own body and mind. But if, if you're, and hopefully you're not in as, as dire situation as I am, but, um, you know, realize that, that your perception on the world will change. Now I think it'll change for the better. Um, I, I think it, you'll, your bullshit filter gets that much more refined. Um, and I think there's a lot of, of lessons that you can take from that psychedelic space into reality, uh, that can help people with a lot of their mental health issues and a lot of their turmoil. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, and, maybe this would be more important for the the second half of the show, but I I do want to say now before I actually did that first session, um, I I was, it was offered to me. My, my friend said, Hey, you know, I have access, but prior to me doing that, I I spent probably three months or so doing as much research as I could, reading all the books that I could, listening to all the podcasts that I could. Um, and then I felt I was very comfortable at that point that I had done the due diligence and the research that I could comfortably move forward with it. But it wasn't like, I was, you know, a buddy came over and here it is. And we just decided to do it. Uh, it's, it's not something that you should just do randomly. Um, especially it's, like ayahuasca, you know, if you've got, um, if you're on SSRI medications and stuff like that, you know, there, there is some medical stuff too. You really got to be conscious of, but I'd like to think an adult would, would take those proper steps. Yeah. But we live in the age where <laughs> everything has to have, it's like toxicity label and handrails and all that. So. And th- this would, you know, too, I had probably one of the best compliments about my book. One of my buddies who reads it, who read it, excuse me, um, he's never done any type of drugs. He's not into psychedelics and he doesn't have a plan on doing psychedelics. And, and you know, he read it and it was like, he was, my takeaway from your book was that I don't need to go down that same path that you did. I don't need to lose everything that you've lost in, in order to have the benefits that you've gained. Um, basically, it's stop looking outside for your inner inner um, solutions and, and basically find that peace and contentment. Um, 
be comfortable in the present now, not be worried about the past or the future. You know, there are lessons that, that I try to share in the book. And then when I speak with people that you don't have to blow everything up and, and then, you know, enhance your senses with psychedelics and then rebuild everything. You, you can kind of just from the outside be like, you know what, this makes sense. What, like, why am I drinking 12 beers a day? Why am I doing this? Why am I 80 pounds overweight? Why am I, why can't I talk to my loved one? What, you know, I mean, if, if you're asking yourself all these questions, like you, you shouldn't have to have psychedelics open your eyes to that. But, um, I guess I was too stubborn and ignorant <laughs> or stubborn and I'm not proud maybe. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm the same way. I neither recommend people do them and I don't say they shouldn't do them. It's everybody's own choice. But that being said, well, my, my understanding of the psychedelic experience, at least in a, an intense psychedelic experience, how or the way I metaphorize it, is like you're opening a multi-dimensional or multiverse portal, right? You're you're sending away the old you and bringing in a parallel universe version of you to come in the and be you. So, like, I know I know that might sound extreme, but it is a lot like that. So. The point where you were at, like rock bottom sort of place, maybe beyond rock, lower than rock bottom, you know, anything that you possibly could shift about yourself and your identity would probably have been a net gain. And when in my early time with psychedelics, it was pretty much the same way. I wasn't I wasn't uh, I was younger, so I wasn't in such a destructive place, but I was totally like aimless and confused about what I wanted or who I was supposed to be in my first ever psychedelic experience actually gave me this bizarre fast forwarding type of uh, knowledge of things that I would be able to do later in life but that for a temporary amount of time a couple months I just like had this ability to do energy healing and I like knew things about people's psychology that could help them transform in a and get better like really quickly I don't know it was really weird think think about what you just said though like that that's a powerful ass statement i mean it was basically really you, you did something and then you unlocked this like magical and, and not even superpowers like we we all have our own kind of set inherently but whatever you need to do to to, to show yourself and not be like oh am i crazy um but that like man that's that's powerful as hell it was <laughs> got superhuman powers it was like my future self was showing up you know closer to what i'm like now not to toot my own horn, but like I've, I've got skills now and I know how those things work mechanically. Uh, biofield toning, for example, using vibration and the, the biofield anatomy to help people shift their is really an identity shift that goes on. But the point being like I was at a point where I could just shuffle the entire deck of who I thought I was or what I thought I was capable of. And no matter what I shuffled, it was going to be a better hand than what I had before I put it all back in the card deck, you know, when I first started doing psychedelics. And it was like that. But there's a point where maybe they start to suggest their own disuse or a much more a much more intentional way of using it where you set the parameters of like, this is the window of things in which I'm still questioning. This is where the question is. This is where the transform transformative potential is at in my in my life or my identity but everything else i want to keep the same and you like really lock that in but if you're just sort of using it willy-nilly um you might find that you change into a version of yourself you don't like as much if you just keep hitting the button keep pressing the button 
I say that just as a, because there's so much of the psychedelic experience in what's positive that still, no matter what you do, it, it's hard to separate it from like drug and junkie culture, <laughs> even uh, just the way that you do this form. stuff. And yeah, so it's, I, it's not a magic pill. And that's what, that's what gives me the most hesitation to even have a podcast like this is just to have the conversation or just for you to describe in truthful reality, the way that the process works and, and, and making it or how to use it. It's like uh, very similar to <laughs> like drug culture or junkie culture. I'm not saying that that's where you're at or, or what your intention is behind this, but yeah, that, that is just a fact that remains. And uh, the people that are sort of just chasing the dragon, they find themselves in, in a crazy spot. And there's like, I brought up demons as a, a potential as well. My concept of demons is maybe not like the average or the religious. I'm not talking about infernal, non-physical beings that they're just there to torture or drain energy from humans. I think what we have called demons are deceased human spirits that are just not reintegrated with source and are still here, like kind of the Buddhist hungry ghost idea. But the the fact is that like when you light up all of your energy body, <laughs> you attract very curious moths to that flame, you know? And so I just laid a bunch of stuff out there. I'll just kick it yeah. back to you without asking a real question. Well, it's a couple of things I went in because you've brought up kind of, you're saying you felt um, information from like a, a future sense of self or that you, you felt as though you were kind of giving yourself information. Um, and then you just said moths to the flame. So it, it kind of ties in perfectly about how like you were saying, what's your intent and now what do you use psychedelics for? Um, so once again, it is not a magic pill. And, and if you're turning to psychedelics, like some people do prescription pills, alcohol, um, it's just going to be the same thing. It, it's it's not a crutch you can lean on. Uh, it's a tool that you can use to better yourself. And and if you approach it from that, um, you know, be, you have to have that that intention. But just the, the concept of attracting energy and information and then getting potentially information from not only outside sources, but, but then potentially you, your future self, which sounds <laughs> fucked as I get into this story, but you, you, you mentioned you had similar things and, and it's crazy if indeed that isn't the case. Um, and when I first started doing my DMT sessions, um, you know, it was really exciting to, to look at the space and it was like me myself going into this DMT space and seeing all these, these colors and interactions, um, kind of watching entities and, and things like that happen. But it was certainly me going in and, and looking around and trying to ex explore what I was seeing. Then it kind of morphed into, I was the one that was being explored. So I would go in and I felt as though I was like, you know, an animal in a zoo or like, you know, I, I use the analogy about a, like a firefly where I would go in and they were like, oh, here's this crazy fuck Adam back again with his, his you know, flashing DMT head. And like I would I would get all of these these entities kind of coming to me and absorbing me. Well, not absorbing me, but like trying to um, inter interact with me. And then they were kind kind of like not dissecting me, but it, w it was this kind of like alien encounter interaction when I was I was kind of the one that was being explored and it was very intrusive feeling it wasn't like sexual it wasn't painful but it, it felt as though these things were really trying to look at what was inside of me and then that morphed and this is over you know a course of years and, and well a year and a half and you know 100 plus times but then it, then it started getting into it wasn't aliens or entities that was exploring myself it was me from a future self it was me kind of doing like a calibration check like like coming in and being like all right adam you're on path like you're doing good like you know i'm glad you came into this space so we can kind of do a you know a rundown and then it, it kind of changed 
this dynamic where there was nothing to be afraid of. I, I wasn't felt as, as though I was being attacked by anything. I, I really felt as though I was, when I do go, go deep into DMT and, and I I'll vibrate at a, def, a different frequency and, and I allow different energies to come in, one of those energies is I truly feel me from, from a, a different time, a different dimension, a future self where, um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out myself. Which and that, I mean that leads that led to a whole. I mean I'm not afraid of death at all. I'm not afraid of of moving on and transmuting this energy from this body to the next or the next. Or like there's just there's so much positive that you can take away from that experience. Um, if nothing you know, else, the uh, alleviation of being scared to die is probably the biggest <laughs> the biggest reason. If you were going to put a reason on like why the psychedelic experience is maybe on your bucket list if it, if you haven't had it and it wouldn't necessarily need to be DMT but DMT is the one that probably to the best of our awareness most correctly simulates the death transition and I think that's why it something that sensitives can pick up on its presence in places where the threshold of death is about to be crossed and it's fa- another fascinating element to it is in the near death experience you have this psychopomp that shows up, whether it's the person's belief in Buddha or Jesus or even Odin or something, it's usually in the clothing of what they would expect to see as their guide to cross that river sticks or whatever you want to call it, depending on the, the person. And that's fascinating to me too, because the is the molecule itself somehow the psychopomp or carrying the information of, of that guide of souls? I don't know the answer to that, but I, what I'm pondering a lot lately is the question of, okay, because you and I, we've been up there, we've, we've blasted off, we've broken through whatever, and we've probably interacted with the big floating head made out of strange alien glyphs. And it's told us that we're already what we thought we wanted to be and to chill out and go with the flow and (laughs) enjoy, enjoy the ride and all that. But if from from that perspective, we can we feel like the the whole universe is inside of us rather than outside of us, and we may even be sure that that's true. That's how I see existence myself. But going to like the the esoteric doctrines of the the ancient mystery tradition, I bring this up with so many guests, but I just can't help it. It's my favorite question. The, there's this idea that the source emanates reality from a still point that is like simultaneously a void and everything. It's everything it comes from nothing. It's like that paradox, but that's where the emanation of all life, mind, consciousness comes from. So you and I've probably will probably agree that there is something to this doctrine of emanations. The question is when we talk about figures like Jesus, even though we can dispute the historical veracity of their narrative, like I don't personally need a literal interpretation of any holy scripture for it to have value to me that being said i think there's a reality to this firstborn of the first cause or the protagonist the greeks called it or you know even adam adam in the bible (laughs) jesus is supposed to be a reincarnation of adam it goes on and on but my point being like the first mind to become self-aware rippling out of the zero point i would i think that that mind is eternal and we're like branches growing off of it as a trunk of a tree, the tree of life. And so I think that that there's a, I think that there's an individuated consciousness there that is also 
encompassing all of our smaller little I selves. <laughs> and I think that might be something that you can encounter and talk to whenever you use DMT. You, are, are you familiar with this yeah, being no. that I'm calling the psychopomp or what religions call the savior? Oh, I think that was that was well said. And it's that that common and universal thread that, that I've found through my studies and research too, um, where it, it's all, you know, that the heaven within and, and, you know, Buddha going out and, and really losing everything and, and being comfortable with his self and then finally finding that that's where enlightenment is. Um, knowing that you have to, you know, purge all of that shit, get rid of all that plaque. Um, I, I found that in, you know, I brought up um, being an entomologist when, when I was a scientist, it was, I always thought that, you know, you really had to be um, an atheist and you really couldn't be a, both a scientist and, and, you know, everything needed to be data, data, data. Uh, and then when I got out of college, I started studying a lot of the world's religions and spirituality. Did um, you know that one of the names, ancient names of Buddha is data, D-A-T-A or D-A-T-T-A? No. <laughs> Just thought that's funny. Like that's one of Buddha's names. He's got a lot of names. Um. But just, you know, it really was a realization that that we're all trying to explain this the same thing, um, which is this, this you know, this this crazy, beautiful world. Um, whether you're trying to explain it from scientific words or, or spiritual words or, or psychonaut words, it, it's all, um, I, I think we're, we're all, you all come to the to the same conclusion, um, whether, you know, whatever way you get to that mountaintop, so to speak. But I think the answer is what you said, is, is that it is coming from, you know, you are everything and, 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 you know, like the minutest and, and the, the, the biggest at the same time. You are both macro and, and um, not macro, whatever. <laughs> you know, like you, you really, it, it is, it is all one. Uh, and that's where a lot of people that come out of a psychedelic experience feel very connected to, to earth, to thing, you know, to plants, to insects, to other people. Uh, a, a lot of, a lot of experiences, you know, point towards connection and love. Um, it's it's probably one and of the beauty. Best effects and beauty you know, like, and self worth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so well, and and you know, I would say, well, just and, and I say say that beauty. Um, you know, it's, it's tougher for guys, especially. So I, I in essence had like you know a midlife crisis. I was early forties. Um, all the shit in my life, you know, hit the fan, and that seems to be a, a common thread. And because sharing my story, I've, I've had a lot of interactions with other middle-aged men, and it seems to be that this common kind of just self-defense mechanism where guys are so worried about their masculinity and trying to be macho and, and this this tough guy attitude, and, and they they can't say that they're beautiful and that they're, they're wonderful and that they're these spirits and beings. And um, it's really important to understand your beauty and light, uh, and and to and it's not a matter of necessarily like masculine or feminine traits. It's it's more just. Um, Understanding who you are and how you relate to to the world and, and to you know who you interact with, uh, but a lot of times guys have a hard time with that. And so it's, I say that where psychedelics allows you know at the end of a session you're sitting there hugging, crying, kissing, saying I love you. Like you know even a lot of the, the friends that I've met in the past year and a half, it's you know, I love you, brother. Thank you so much. And where you know a few years ago I, I wouldn't be like that because uh, you wouldn't want to be you know saw a talent on the guy you love him and hug him where it's like no that's what the world needs that the, especially need people that with shit. your you, people with your kind of accent they just like <laughs> like the, the default mode is like hey fuck you man like, <laughs> and that's just like saying hi that's friendly yeah that's <laughs> if i want to talk to you <laughs> but I, I brought up beauty because 
your name is is an interesting one for this topic to me. Adam in Hebrew, as in Adam from Adam and Eve, is said to mean earth or red earth, like dirt. But my opinion is that it actually means the entire earth, not like a clump of earth. In Ethiopian, Adama, same word, means beautiful or elegant or the idea of beauty being derived from order. And whenever you go to the Greek word for the universe, cosmos, it actually etymologically or the definition is the exact same as Adama in Ethiopia, Ethiopian, beautiful and ordered. So cosmio, like the verb version of cosmo or cosmos is a word referring to making something beautiful or putting it in order, adorning it, basically like applying artistry to something, doing art. And the Latin word mundus, which is where the word mundi, Latin word for world, comes from, it means the same thing. Mundus is elegant and adorned and neat, clean, tidy, orderly. So where you can go to, there's certain Sanskrit scriptures where the first two human beings are Adin and Eva. So when we talk about, or like Adonis, the Phoenician savior, the Greeks had no words that terminated in M, so they called Adam Adon. My point being, like, you can do a lot with philology switching vowels around. So Adin is the same word as Eden. And I think that there's something to this where the, the first man that God creates is actually the whole world, and that whole world is alive, and we like we're some sort of sensory organ for that world itself like that we're not separate from that one life yeah we're one little speck one facet of that that being that's all exploring (laughs) and bringing back information Um, so you're talking about the beings like the entities exploring you and your name's adam i'm like are these the you know they're exploring the universe they're exploring that with the occult that's called the adam cadmon the the universal man it's interesting to me well, you mentioned, you know, me saying your, your name chance in chapter seven. And so you can imagine all these books that I read, um, like right now I'm reading, uh, reading uh, Manly Hall's, um, you know, his thick book about the secret knowledge of all ages. And it's just like so many times my name comes up where it's like, oh, fuck, like <laughs> just try to put it all in, in perspective. But, you know, part of that, that well, story. Think about this. Your, your name backwards is meta, like beyond. Because <laughs> D and T switch in language, Adam backwards is meta. <laughs> so, like you were just destined to be meta, I guess. Love that. I want to ask. Speak. I want to ask you a certain question, though, if that's cool. Um, for where we're at, I think this is a fun question. You mentioned that D in the book DMT will inspire miracles to manifest within you and around you. I have, in my own experiences, a plenty affirming that synchronicity with the DMT is profound, even when you're not actually using it. And even to add to like, if somebody's curious about it, all they should really do is uh, like ask to be shown it or ask for it to show up. And like from the most bizarre circumstances, it'll probably just show up in your life. You barely, you don't necessarily have to go out of your way, but can you talk about the, the miracles that it can, it creates (laughs) synchronicities that it creates maybe examples from your own life outside of even being on the chemical? Sure. Um, so just when you remove the veil of just everyday shit, like taxes and, and the, the cost of gas and like just all the crap that most people, you know, spend their time dealing with, then you can really sit back and see how the world operates. And that's when these synchronicities um, stop popping up 
where it's not like you know one or two a month or one or two a week. It's like the every everything you see synchronicities uh, happening. To, um, honestly, every day, me and my girlfriend is just like so this 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 this, and, and it's amazing. Uh, and I think DMT and psychedelics just allow you to get tuned in to to being present, to being right there, right now. Um, and, and you know, I, I think that helps with the mental aspect. Um, benefits of psychedelics too is a lot of people are caught up either trapped in the past or the future and and they're not present they're not right there um a perfect example last night i I was waiting in my car and it was raining and the the street light was there and the way that the you know the raindrops were hitting the the windshield i was very happy waiting 10 minutes for my friend to get in the car as opposed to being anxious or like what the hell or you know on my phone It, it was really just be comfortable and and be here and, and when you you can just be here now uh you pick up on so much stuff um now like you mentioned even beyond when you're you're actually on under the effects of dmt or shrooms or any of these uh i find that now every day all day there's I, I mean shit moves around me all the time books fly off shelves like it's down to the point where i go into my friend's houses and in, in like three minutes like i don't know like a bunch of th- a book fell, fell off the wall uh his baby carriage topped over and like something moved off the shelf and he's just like what the hell adam every time you come this type of shit happens or you know, i'll be laying there at night and you'll see just it, it opens up your perception of of the world now this is that that kind of balance of how do you go around telling people that oh yeah you interacted with your future self you've danced with aliens uh you're seeing entities shit moves around when you're around and, and not come off as crazy and not like you know i i temper my stories about this stuff because it's like i don't know people look at you like you got full heads <laughs> we're well we're we're in the deep end in terms of audience here so we're safe but i can think of tons of examples one time i a lot of my use was when i was running around music festival circuits but one time i had some i was at the the camp at our festival, the festival we were at, my friends were asleep in their tents and I was by myself. We had all of the, the easy up, like covered with, with uh, tapestries for walls. So I was like in an enclosure essentially, but right outside me was the lanes of other people walking through the grounds. And I sat down to use it and I did, I didn't do a lot, but I did enough to like really get a change of perception. And I had my eyes open. I looked over at the tents around me. I could see what my friends were dreaming. It was like a comic book where thought bubbles were coming up out of the tent and I could see pictures in these thought bubbles of what was going on in their inner world while they were dreaming. So that was weird. And then as the it was starting to, to tone down, like the experience was wearing off, I mean, we should mention, it only lasts a couple of minutes. It's very short. And all of a sudden I had this impulse and I just followed it without thinking to reach under me, under the chair that I was sitting in, and I grabbed a backpack from under the chair. I had no idea whose bag it was. I'd never seen it before. Grabbed this backpack, stood up, and opened the tapestry that was forming a wall and just shoved the backpack out of the of the tent enclosure. And there was a stranger I'd never met before in my life who just at that moment was about to open the tapestry and peek his head in to ask if we had seen his backpack. And I was already handing it to him. I had no thoughts to do this. I had no reason to do this i was just already handing it to him and i guess he had hung out there while i was gone with a couple of my friends who are in this camp i had no way to know any of that but i was just like a almost like a marionette on a string that just followed 
the impulse of what felt right to do. Grab this backpack, hand it over. There he was. It was mind blowing. Tons of experiences like that happen. That's one where you're on it, but I could tell more stories. However, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, and you know about this. Yeah, yeah. Like this happens. It's oh, just, yeah. it's wild, but it's like being in sync with everything. Is what it feels like. But I, well, go ahead. Just, just a, a foolish example. But last night, uh, two nights ago, I was driving home and um, I had just drove by a, a llama farm. So, I mean, there's not too many farms that have llamas around it. And I was listening to the radio, which I never listened to the radio because I always listen to music on my phone. But I was going through a, an area where I couldn't didn't get reception. Um, and they were talking about Michael Jackson and um, his wife got a divorce on this day so many years ago. And then the commentator was like, oh, I wonder who got their llama. And like the second I drove by the llama farm, this guy said the llama. And it's, you know, it, it may sound like an insignificant thing, but it's just what. I never think about llamas and to think about them literally within a, a five, 10 second thing, but it's just, it kind of puts this whole like simulation matrix type shit where if you have two, three, five, 10, 20 of those a day, and then you start looking up at like, you know, then people's license plates start meeting shit and that you, you think a word and it happened, like, you know, you're handing backpacks to people like that start ha- happening day after day after day. You start questioning just the, you know, concept of reality itself. It's like, what, the real question to con- the real question of concept is is the universe random and meaningless or is everything meaningful and the truth is like from my perspective everything's meaningful and once you accept that once you get uh, inner coherence like energetic coherence you're actually going to have that level of synchronicity between inner and outer world 24/7 all the time I personally do. It's just a matter of how well I'm paying attention. And if I'm paying attention at all, <laughs> then I'm noticing like exactly the word of what I just heard on this podcast. That word will show up on some random thing in front of me constantly over and over again all day to the point where it's almost like that's the that's normal to me. But I don't think that it necessi- necessarily means uh, reality is an illusion per se. What's an illusion is the belief of separateness that there is a difference between your inner world and your outer world. You know, I think that's the healthiest thing to integrate is the, the belief or the knowledge that your body, your mind isn't inside your body. Your body is in your mind. And so is everything else. But I wanted to, I really, you're talking about the way things get slippery after you open these doors. And that's the path that leads people to a bad place. If they don't shift their perspective on like what the meaning means or what, what the universe is and i know you're only a couple of years off of like your big self-transformation from the the epic journey you went on but somebody that's been interested in this for years there's i've i've heard lots and lots of stories where eventually over the long term i'm not saying this is gonna happen to you but over the long term the type of synchronicities that the person starts chasing once they open up these doors of perception to the alien and the strange leads them on wild goose chases that eventually leave their life in shambles <laughs> or, you know, they wind up like uh, actually committing suicide or, or dying. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to like put that on you. I don't think that that's a necessary outcome or anything, but I'm wondering what are your personal, what do you, what do you feel like is your personal uh, anchor in the reality that becomes so much more slippery after opening these doors? And what what do you think is the uh, the ultimate truth that keeps you centered so that you don't get drawn into 
like the the negative or downward spiral that some people do find themselves on when using psychedelics for a prolonged period of time? Uh, I think an ultimate sense of self. Uh, I'm I'm very comfortable with who I am. Uh, there'll never be any person or place a thing that would ever make me lie or or um, you know put my integrity or character on the line. And before. I didn't have that self-assurance. Like I said, I, I was somebody that, that would manipulate other people. I would be a narcissist. I, I would try to control situations. Um, where now I think my my groundedness came from, I had, I had everything taken away from me and, and ripped away from me. So um, my sense of core in being now is is truly from within. And I think that it, it's still going to be tough to try to find that balance. Like part of me wants just to go off to, you know, go live on, on Mount Shasta somewhere and, you know, study crystals and meditate and just do shrooms for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> if I had the financial resources, maybe I would, but it is now, how do you get back in, in, and how do you live in, in a normal society and contribute to it? Um, I, I think just Knowing, I think your bullshit filter gets increased with psychedelics. And I think if you can take that into society, that will only help you. Um, my, I guess, ops or challenge is telling the people that I know are, are fake or that I don't want kind of in my way or path, you know, how do you politely tell them to screw as opposed to just really <laughs> push them out of the way? Because um, you know, it's kind of like that. I think they just kind of fall off if you pursue what you're pursuing. You know, I've found that I've never really had to uh, kick somebody out of my life. <laughs> they just, the, the lower, the low vibe people just don't, they don't want to be around if you're staying in the high vibe. So part of it, like to win that fight is to just not be in the fight, not to interrupt. But, but I really like your answer, being anchored in selfhood and truthfulness. Because I, I truly believe we're only as sick as our secrets. And if we're our our first instinct is honesty, then I don't think we're going to get led down any uh, really destructive pathways. Well, and, and to have the flexibility to know your, your thoughts may change and your truths may change. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day and this woman, I think she's probably in her, her mid sixties and there was this young guy in his twenties and they, they were having this, this argument back and forth where he was kind of saying that you need to go through trials and tribulations and, and the, you know, you do need to have the, the bad to, to contrast the good and, you know, her, her kind of statement was, well, you don't have to become something you already are. You know, you are a complete being at whole. And, and you know, she was coming from this place of, of really being comfortable and grounded. But then she did kind of sit back and, and admit she was. But the paradox is, is it took me 45 years of exploration. It took me 45 years of seeking outside things, of seeking gurus, of seeking, med you know, retreats and seeking drugs and seeking all these things to finally realize, no, it's all from within. And it's all so. um no, it's just that that weird, how do you figure that out? Is it a matter of age? Can you learn it in your 20s or do you have to be 60? Do you have to use DMT? Um, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of knowing that it, it's um, your source of power comes from within and, and it's it's a beautiful inner light. And once you know it comes from with you and not from some other outside source, uh, that's where the really, you know, the, the beauty comes in. And then, you know, to add, too. So now what do you do with it? Um, my intellectual curiosity and then now like the way my brain has expanded even further as far as retaining information, I feel as though I'm so blessed now. Like I mentioned your catalog of um, podcasts. I mean, I've got months and months worth of information just with your podcast alone that I feel like I can I can go through. Uh, there's so much more I want to learn. There's so much more I want to explore. There's so many more people I want to help. So 
Um, will I ever get in that rat race bullshit, try to compete with the Joneses, uh, have all the fancy stuff? No, I'll, I'll never, you know, I'll, I'll never be that. So if that's successful, if that's blending back into to the other society or reality, I'll never do that, nor do I want to. Um, will I find a way to kind of pay my bills and, and do my thing and maybe not make the, you know, millions that I had before? Um, sure, but uh, I'm not afraid of me losing it because of myself. Um, and I think most people's biggest obstacle is themselves. Their, their biggest, you know, the person that, <laughs> that they have to worry most about is themselves. And uh, now that's out of the way. You know, whatever the world throws at me, I'll, I'll have to deal with. But it won't be it won't be me driving myself into the ground. <laughs> yeah, dude. Do you? All you got to do is be a trustworthy self, and then no matter what comes along, there's a trustworthy person there, so you can, you know, everything will be fine. <laughs> where the, where can they get your book, Adam? Uh, it's it's everywhere. So it's it's on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, online, Walmart. Um, it's in a, a bunch of bookstores here in New England. Uh, the audio version just came out like two weeks ago, so it's on Audible, iTunes, stuff like that. Um, it's actually selling, and being some obscure guy from New England that up until recently I had zero desire to be in the, the spotlight or you know to have my my story told um it's been taking off it, it's it's I think sold in like 10 different countries it's um it's it's there it's, it's happening, it's happening. I, can't believe, I can't believe it's because of this I feel like there's so many things I've accomplished in my my life that I should or could have been writing books on not almost going to the desert to kill myself and then psychedelics but here we are <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. It's been fun. <laughs> We're going to talk more in the second hour. I think we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of the, the taboo aspects of the book, maybe some entomology, how how the knowledge of the world of insects has somehow can tie into this conversation. I'm really curious about that. Maybe some more trip reports. We're going to have fun. So everybody join us over on the second hour. Adam, thanks for being here, man. And we'll catch everybody on part two. Cool. Thank you. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode and this one's a bit different, huh? Uh, I guess every once in a while I just need to talk about psychedelics. <laughs> Honestly, I, get, I had a bit of like back and forth. Should I bring this topic onto the show? But I would be lying if I denied that this is such an important part of my story personally, even if it's not a realm that I'm currently engaged with. I also would be lying if I said that it was something I recommended to everybody. <laughs> I don't. But for those that needed to hear it, they here it is. They heard it. For those who've already been there, here's a cool conversation to verify and validate some of their own truths. And for those who will benefit just from knowing that there's a way to experience reality in a larger and more holistic sense, we're connecting to the source, <laughs> hyperspace, uh, logos, God mind. <laughs> is possible and that it's actually inevitable. Probably you do it every night when you sleep. I think that the endogenous DMT release happens daily, but at the very least, whenever you're ready to leave this story, you have a ticket already paid for, ready to take you to the, the nexus point where anything and anywhere and any when is within reach. Cause it's all one big, one big ball of wax. So I had fun. Adam's cool. Dude uh, liked the radical honesty, I think that that is indicative of a, a true healing journey, true healing experience. And 
the second hour. If you had fun in part one, you can check out the second part of our conversation at Rockfin or Patreon. That's going to be linked in the show notes. Support the podcast that you love. Get yourself the second hour access to all of these conversations that have the paywall. Super worth it. In the second part, we talked about what it's actually like to blast off on DMT. It's best, you know, as best as you can describe that in 3D language. And we talked about the literal frequency shift of the psychedelic trip, especially DMT, that the there's this drone, this hum, the the ohm, the ohm actually shows up in a very potent, palpable way. We discussed vibrational healing and the out-of-body experience, questioned if the Logos taught us language through the DMT portal, or the Protagonos, the Jesus, Psychopomp, Mercury, Hermes, Odin, Buddha figure. We talked about how DMT gives us a cosmic, a sense of cosmic cycles and the larger truth of time. That is a very difficult gravy to put into 3D realm communication, but there's something there. We also got into Adam's experience incorporating psychedelics into the sexual experience in a, you know, sacred way, in a thoughtful, positive intention way. The threesome with God, to make the joke from his book. We compared the alien world of insects with the hyperspace entities people see on DMT and so much more. There's a lot in the second part. I hope you guys do check it out. And there's no, I'm quoting Adam's book. There's no doubt that hallucinogen research has been a forbidden fruit long ripening on the tree of knowledge. And if you do think that this is an experience for you, uh, his book will be a good guidepost on the way. There's also what I think everyone should have in mind that if you ask for it, it will show up. That's the best way to put it. Like I I don't recommend anybody do anything illegal, but that's not, but here's a way to do something illegal. I'm just going to say what you need and what's right for you and what's meant for you will show up when it's right for you, when it's meant for you. Everything is included in that description, not just schedule one substances. The, yeah, there's there's no doubt that there's transformative power with this. And I hope that we captured both the light and the dark here and we're not just promoting something that also has its connection to the world of like drug abuse and junkies because that's true too. There's in the the unfortunate reality is this isn't like a miracle pill, <laughs> magic bullet or magic uh vapor that makes you all of a sudden all better. But for some people used in the right way, it is a step in that direction. For others, it's part of a downward spiral. I think that that applies to a lot of different kinds of tools. And I don't know why, but it's just such a charged topic that I keep feeling like constantly that I need to disclaim, disclaim and and (laughs) be honest about both sides and all that. I try to do that with anything, but yeah, this is a particularly touchy topic. I'll say that. I mean, Honestly, one of the things that bothers me about it is that as soon as you open up this conversation, now you're in the realm of like Joe the Toe Rogan. I I don't like and I don't want to be compared to or in the same camp of. And uh, and and that's all true, but you know, it it'd be a dishonest look at reality to just rule this entire facet and this is more than a facet. This is a huge nugget out of the consideration of like what's going on here. And I, 
I don't think we got any closer to getting to the bottom of what is reality, what is life in this combo. But I do think that we had an interesting talk and compared notes. And I enjoyed that, especially part two, lots of comparing notes. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Dig it. If you want other ways to support the show, just check the show notes. Typical new herbs. Shout out to Kyle. Uh, Interverse is the coupon code there. If you want to get some great herbal medicine, there's the Clive to Carl supplement shop linked there as well. My audiobooks with Dylan Sicosio, his spirit world series, the Interverse merch website. Great place to get some awesome, <laughs> creatively endowed Interverse rep in memorabilia. Hope you do that. And last but not least, get a tuning. Uh, I'm just going to pull up my tuning calendar because I, I don't I don't want people to like send me a tuning request and, and a booking donation thinking they're going to just be immediately put on my schedule. The truth is my like as of me saying this right now, my next available openings are not really until like uh, late February. Yeah, late February. So my point is that if you are interested in the biofield tuning experience, which has a lot of the same benefits as uh, dimethyltryptamine, but in a much gentler way, possibly a more control, definitely a more controlled way, possibly a more long lasting way and 100% in a more legal way. If that's something you want to do, you got to get on it sooner than later because I don't I don't want people to be let down thinking it's going to be right away once they send their booking donation when there's so many people wanting tunings that, and I only have so much time and I can't do this like an assembly line. I have to do it in a sort of methodical and a certain pace. Like I can't just do three a day. No, 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 no. <laughs> I can't do it as an assembly line. It's got to be about the person that it's about. And I have to be clear for just them and there for just them. So if you want it sooner than later, Get on the calendar, interversepodcast.com slash sound dash healing. Amazing results constantly happening. People are loving it. I'm really what I like about right now is I'm at the point where probably half or more of my sessions that are filling up my calendar are people coming back for a second or a third, fourth tuning, which really speaks to the efficacy that there's something good about it. So I hope you guys do sign up and try it, even if it's just your first time and you just want to know what it's all about. The things that get uncovered are are amazing. It's like doing a puzzle where the pieces are your life <laughs> and you get to reimagine your personality without certain limitations that you thought were just inherent traits. So I'm going to get out of here, guys. Love you. Hope you guys are enjoying your January. I'll catch you on the next podcast. Life is good and <laughs> enjoy the ride. Bye bye. <laughs>